Hello and welcome to this episode of B2B Revenue Leaders. I'm your host, Dustin Tizek, and this episode is brought to you by Testimonial Hero. So Testimonial Hero really focuses on closing those trust gaps at all the stages in the buyer's journey where a typical buyer might fall off. They do that via strategic, high-quality video testimonials built for the right size, shape, and content that you need to really close trust gaps at that stage. On this episode, I'm joined by Christian Klutzel, who is the co-founder and CEO at UserGems. And we're going to be talking about why we should be tracking champion LTV as religiously as we track customer LTV. Hey, Christian, welcome to the show. Hey, Dustin, great to be here. So today we're talking about a cool topic that you know, it is a term I hadn't heard before. I think it's super interesting and that's champion LTV and how we should be tracking that, you know, as religiously as customer LTV. For listeners who might not know what we're talking about, um, do you want to define what champion LTV is? Yes, happy to. I think everyone's familiar with the customer lifetime value. So you get someone as a customer, they stick around for a few years, and that's ultimately the, the sub of the revenue that you get from this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the champion lifetime value, it's it's very similar, but it's actually focused on a person. And so the idea is this person joins a company, becomes your customer, loves your product, they move to a new organization, and then they become your customer again. And it's so this means you can now actually not only based, like we always, every marketing activity that we do is based on a customer lifetime value, right? Like we compare, I spend X to get the uh, to get this company as a customer and it brings me Y. And if there's a good ratio, then I'm, I'm, I'm doing a good job in marketing and say it's an otherwise I don't. But it's actually, it's, it goes deeper, especially now with people changing their job all the time because the person that becomes my customer at the first company, they move to a new cu- a company and they can become my customer there again. So it's actually really interesting to track an individual. How often did they become my customer and what's actually the lifetime value of this person? And the reason I really like it is because so often we think about um, like what are the concepts of B2C that we should bring to B2B. And this element, if you focus on the lifetime value of a person, you kind of like you bring the relationship and the fact that this is actually a person, not a company making the purchasing decisions into your sales and marketing thought process. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And I mean, anecdotally, I've, seen that here. We have customers who have purchased our product and services at three companies, four companies, as they move around, they bring us with them. And that's without us actively, you know, focusing on that and trying that. So it just shows that there is an opportunity to expand that. I'm curious, you know, you can Google customer lifetime value. There's a few different ways to calculate it, but there's, you know, you find a lot of information. Champion LTV may be more difficult to forecast out and, you know, have a formula for. So how, how do you tackle that? Yeah. Um, so I think that the first part is, uh, how do you track it? The second part is then actually, how do you influence it? And I think that is especially the interesting one. Like you first need to track it to figure out whether it's worth it, like whether you should put uh, like time into this. And the second part is then how can you, if, if it's worth your time, what can you do to increase it? So uh, the, the best way we found to track it is is through Salesforce. Uh, I mean, talking about like, what, what we do as a company, we our service is tracking people for job changes. And one of the ways we do it is like, you give us a list, we identify with the change, push it back into your Salesforce. So the idea is that through this, we actually connect the people through their lifetime, um, like all the jobs that they had. But I think uh, even without it, the easiest way, as long as you have 
maybe a LinkedIn URL. You, like, we've seen companies go through opportunity contacts grouped by uh, LinkedIn URL, for example. And very quickly, you'll find that there are actually so many of these people that buy for the second, third, fourth time that it's actually really worth your time to make sure how can I optimize that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you mentioned the first part, tracking that, figuring it out. The part I've struggled with then is, is then what, right? Like, how do you do the reach out? Do you automate it? Is it completely personalized? Any, yeah, any tips on how to tackle that? Yeah. <clears throat> very good question. Very good thought was around the automation. We're always afraid of automation, but automation is actually two things. It's automating that you reach out to them and then whether you automate the message or not. And I, and I want to separate this. Basically, the number one advice that I have is um, if there's a job change of someone, put them into a sequence. That's the number one thing. You can have the first step being manual, so someone is still looking over it, but but guaranteeing that someone reaches out by, by adding them into a sequence is, is all the difference between like 1x and 10x ROI of these initiatives. So I think that the biggest one is obviously the tracking these movements in the first place, but then the, the other one is making sure that if there's a change into like a customer account, a target account, an open opportunity, that something happens. And the something is not only a notification, it's some kind of automation, some kind of prepared message. Mm-hmm. And I think the second piece is then your question of like, okay, what is actually the message I'm doing there? Like what, how, like what, what should I say in my outreach? And here's where I always go back into, um, remember we are, we're humans and we're selling to humans, even if we're doing B2B. And this means that um, the first step for us that we recommend is always like simply acknowledging that this is a big life event for that person, right? Like they, they've maybe been at the previous company for many years. They're making a bit, big step there. So whatever I would do with a friend that does it, it's kind of like just acknowledging and congratulating them on the step, um, acknowledging that, hey, there's a big change, but there's also a lot of opportunity based on if, for example, if they get promoted. And then what we actually do is we have a little bit depending on seniority. We also have some some small, uh, funny a gifting step in there of like, hey, this, this small token of uh, appreciation gets you started in like the first week, for example. But importantly, there's actually no ask in there. It's really about the relationship that we're building. And this means we're also not only doing this for someone that joins, let's say, our target account. We're doing this also if they if they join a company that, that might not be right for like user champs, not right for buying user champs, because it's about building the relationship. Mm-hmm. And then once they settled in, and this is a, a period of somewhere between two and six weeks, often depending on seniority, then we have a next email. Hey, now that you got settled, could it make sense to explore whether like user terms also make sense at your new organization? Yeah. So I, there's two parts I like there. One is the timing and not doing the ask upfront because I, I get those emails when I start a new job, right? You get a whole bunch of, you know, I saw you use product X at this company. Let's book a call. And the first month at a job, especially if you're in a more senior role, is chaos, right? There's a lot. I don't want to talk to vendors, but I do like the nice, you know, congratulations, you know, hope you're getting settled in well. Yeah. Um, And then the second part with the ask after the fact, it it seems like you go more towards a permission-based, does it make sense to talk about this rather than, you know, a let's book a call hard sell, which seems intuitive and seems to make sense, but probably isn't the route most companies go. Is that, am I kind of reading that right? 
Uh, yeah, I think maybe that's also depending like on the company and on the person. I think yeah. it's just it's just an easier play where you don't have to do the hard sell because mm-hmm. that person already knows the company, they know the product. So even without the hard sell, we're seeing across our customers, there's like this buyback response rate. Like this play, the sequence um, gets you to like the 25, 30% response rate, even without the hard ask. Yeah, awesome. And is, in your experience, there is most of the outreach through email or have you found success in kind of taking on additional channels, like adding a LinkedIn touchpoint, a call, et cetera? Um, yeah, how do you think through that? I know this is basically just prospecting, but I imagine it's a little bit yeah. different given the relationship. It's a little bit, um, but certainly, ultimately, it comes down to, like, we have a very short attention span. Yeah, Even if we already like, recognize the brand, it could just be like, right now is not the right time, right? Like, as you say, I'm just getting started in this organization. So um, mm-hmm. like after the first three touches, it's actually very similar to your typical prospecting of we have the LinkedIn steps, we have the calls. Um, we also add advertising into this. Ultimately, I think this is yeah. more the, the general prospecting advice. Like you want to be on, on every channel so that at the right time they, they respond, that they come. Yeah, no, absolutely. Building in, you know, the multi-thronged approach there makes a ton of sense. And then I'm curious from who does the outreach, because that's kind of a sticking point I've had, probably because we were trying to manually build this and, you know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of moving parts. But how do you think through that? Is it the former sales rep, maybe someone more senior at the company? Have you seen any kind of trends or impact there? Yeah, yeah. And you can get so smart with that and so sophisticated. Um, so there's actually a bunch of things you, you, you want to think about. Uh, so the first one is actually, there should also be an action on the previous organization. So just to quickly highlight this. Uh, okay. So yeah. wherever this person is leaving from, there's actually now a churn risk. Um, a champion leaving is the second biggest reason for churn. So the first thing, for example, we do is actually notifying the CSN manager and saying, hey, like John left here. Um, mm-hmm. Make sure that this was the, make sure that figure out who replaced him, for example, or who, re- who is now the leader of this, of the, like, the user champs project. And then the second piece is wherever John is now going, that's where we put together, like we, we send a notification to both the new SDR or AE on that account, as well as saying, hey, here's the previous CSM, check in with them. Mm-hmm. And so by, and, and if you go too sophisticated, that also hurts you because now like you have maybe few outreach because you're waiting for people to do something. So what we are doing is uh, by default, it's the ADR or AE doing the outreach unless the CSM says, hey, I have this really strong uh, relationship with that yeah. person. Let me do the outreach. So it's a little bit an opt-in by the CSM. Gotcha. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I like the, you know, identifying the churn risk and tackling that. Especially given, well, it depends on the company you work at in industry, but the economic environment right now is scary for a lot of companies, yeah. obviously. So yeah. Yeah. stopping churn and selling to people who have bought before probably makes more sense now than than ever, I would think, because new business is hard. Have you seen trends there? Like, has this play, you know, increased in the, the efficiency of it now? Yeah. What have you been seeing there? Yeah. Uh, 100%. So I would say up until maybe Q3 of last year, all of our conversations were around, I want, uh, like uh, it's for pipeline generation. It's about, I want to know where this person is going. And then like as a byproduct, maybe at some point we notified the CSM team. 
And now all of but many of our conversations include the, the CSM team because churn, churn per match is just such an important topic. And everyone has seen it that suddenly my champion is gone. Yeah. And it's kind of, especially in tech, I guess, but it's kind of musical chairs out there right now with people moving on or getting laid off, going to a new organization, shuffling around. Um, so yeah, keeping track of that harder than ever. And I, I think by the time you wait to get a out of office, you know, say you haven't talked to them for a month, two months, then you email the check yeah. in, you get an out of office, might be a little bit too late at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I want to add one more thing to that. Yeah. Um, it's not only about the champion leaving, it's also who else is joining my, for example, customer accounts. We've mm -hmm. seen this as well. So if there's a new decision maker, uh, for example, like in our case, a RevOps leader or a sales leader, or even a finance leader, the first thing they do is evaluate what tools to currently have and which tools to not need. And we want to be so proactive in making sure we have the conversation with this new decision maker before they make a decision. Like if, if a decision is being made, it's so difficult to reverse it. So you want to have the conversation, you want to tell them the value and ROI that they're seeing before they make a decision you don't like. For sure, yeah. There's some of that institutional knowledge of, you know, the champion got it, they probably reported on it, but that gets lost when someone new comes in, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then I guess one other question on, you know, you, we mentioned kind of multi-pronged approach on the channel side. I'm curious as well how you think through that on the communication side. So like say Champion X goes from this company to a new company. Do you also build a net new prospecting to other people at that company at the same time? Or is it the focus really on that champion? Yeah. Oh, and I, I want to mention, because there's one more good thing you said also around like who, who else should be reaching out. Uh, for example, in our case, um, if this is a, if this was the decision maker at the previous company, and they are now like in an uh, uh, like C level or VP, then um, there's a step where I reach out as well. I just come like, um, like okay. just thank them for working with us. So we we have some logic in there as well. So just to to have a little bit of variety in there and, and show the importance yeah. of that. So that's the first one. And then the second one, um, uh, what I really liked what you said is like. What about the multi-threading? And this one is, is also really, really important um, for, for many reasons. So in the first place, actually, we, we strongly believe that this should a champion or past user joining a, 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 in any account should be a little bit treated like intent data. Like it should actually um, bubble up this account, the importance of that account. So in the first place, that should kind of make it should it should be part of my intent signals, and then because of this, they, this means that I'm now reaching out to other people in that organization. The way we we recommend reaching out is obviously like be smart about it, making sure if um, is this a colleague, is this a manager, is this person in a different department. So for example, what we always do is we we always reach out to the like to the manager of this person. Hey, I noticed John just joined your organization. They previously worked with us here. Talk to them about their experience, and maybe this could make sense here as well. Mm -hmm. And the more people you have to previously use the product, the better, because now you actually, you can, even if these are, like, that's why we always say, not only tra track the decision makers, also track the users, because now you can 
create the groundswell. So let's say you have three, in our case, SDRs that use user champs. They go to this organization, we reach out to them, we reach out to their managers and say, like, have your team already used uh, user champs before? Talk to them about the experience. So this means it changes pretty much all of my outreach from cold to warm, because now I actually have like this, this relationship. Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a multi-threading, but it's actually kind of like a change. Like it's not only multi-threading, it changes how you uh, target that account. Yeah, hundred percent. And what I like there is I've viewed advertising more at mass in a similar way where I just want people in this company talking about us and what we do and having those internal conversations and yes. discussions. So it seems like that's also what this drives and it's not a hard push, a hard sell. It's just, Hey, this person used us, maybe have a conversation and then, you know, doing your follows and everything, but backing yep. away and just really getting the ball rolling as well, which is super yep. interesting. Yep. Yeah. 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 And uh, so the one more thing around yeah. um, the, I think that the number, if I have one tip here, like if my one tip is like automating this or making sure there's an outreach, but the second tip is that don't underestimate the ICs, like the individual contributors. Yeah. I think because of this groundswell, because of this, like they're already talking about the brand, but also they can give you really good insight of which tools are we currently using? Who's the decision maker? Who do I need to include in the conversation to get something done? Because oftentimes the, the um, like my, Inclination is to go after the close one opportunity contacts and then filter out yeah. whether they are managed or not, or not at the next job. But um, there's so much value in the in the end users. We always say optimize for love. You track the ones that love the product. Yeah, no, I think that's a perfect way to tie it back to that champion LTV because the champion doesn't necessarily always mean the buyer, like the economic decision maker. It's do they effectively champion your product and care for it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I always quote Hamilton in here, like um, the room where it happens. Like you are not in the room yeah. where the decision happens, but this IC, this this previous power user champion can be in there and can speak for you. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I feel like we came full circle there on the champion side, which is probably a good time to to wrap this up. I definitely have some takeaways there of you know, things we can do better and can try. If people want to learn more, connect with you, find out about user gems, where should they go? Yes. Uh, I mean, about user gems, user gems, and I don't know if I pronounce it correctly, userchamps.com. And, but to reach me, I'm on LinkedIn and Christian at userchamps.com. Awesome. Thanks, Christian. So I'll include those in the show notes for our listeners. And yeah, thanks again for the conversation. Thank you for joining me on this episode. My key takeaway is pretty simple this time. Uh, it's just about how much systematizing your outreach to former champions makes sense. It's something good salespeople have done forever. Uh, they've always followed their customers, reached out to them, kept that relationship going. But the ability to run it at scale and have different playbooks for different scenarios is huge and something we should all be taking advantage of. If you enjoy this episode, please go ahead, click subscribe or leave us a review. And I'll be back every Tuesday with a new episode. See you then.